When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello, and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I am Teacup, or Austin. And I'm Sheacup, or Shelby. And we're so glad you're here with us today. Um, so, Sheacup, what do we have in our topics for today? So, we have been talking about factions all throughout our Season 2, as you know. Um, and for the past couple weeks, we have been talking about, like, mercenary groups and assassins and sarah especially and so we're continuing that trend today and we're just going to be talking about several different mercenary groups um minor mercenary groups and before we get started i should preface this i'm defining a minor mercenary group as like a mercenary group that's really only well known in one country um so we're not going to talk about the Antiman Crows because they're well known all over Thetis. So we're talking about some minor, smaller groups. Now, minor mercenary groups doesn't mean that they're unimportant. Just means they're smaller and less well known. So are you ready to talk about some Dragon Age? I am so excited to talk about some Dragon Age today. Well, let's get going. All right. So right off the bat, I don't have fun facts today because we're highlighting a bunch of different things and it, there's just not time. So I'm just going to dive right in. We are first going to talk about the Iron Bulls chargers. Woo-hoo. I know some people that are going to be really excited. Um, so the chargers are a mercenary company founded and led by the Iron Bull, one of our companions, if you choose, in Inquisition. They are actually pretty well known, um, but specifically in Orlais, which is where they mostly worked. I have a question. Already? Wow. That, okay, go ahead. Have you ever seen anyone who doesn't recruit the Iron Bull? 
Um, I don't know, but I'm sure they exist because I would imagine that people who are role playing like super Androstian, like Chantry uh, Inquisitors would probably not recruit him because he's Kunari. Yeah, that's fair. Just my thought. I mean, I always recruit him. You know, I am of the opinion I recruit, recruit everybody. Like I, I yes. want all the companions because it's the completionist in me. Like the game is not, I didn't do the game correctly if I don't get every companion. Yeah, I totally agree. But like, didn't you not recruit Stan, your first playthrough in Origins? Okay, but to be fair, I didn't know. Because at okay. that point, like, well, this is in my defense. At that point in games, companions were presented to you. You didn't have to go like looking for them to recruit companions they were part of the story progression if you say so (laughs) okay let's get back to the content back to the chargers before founding the chargers the iron bull actually was working for another mercenary company and that company was called the fishers bleeders which is really hard to say Um, and they were not very good like at all so the Iron Bull took the best of the Fisher's Bleeders and started the Chargers. And um, however, he founded the Chargers while he was acting on orders from his superiors in the Ben Hasreth, part of the Kunari. The company acts as a front, accepting contracts from Orlesian nobles and then re- relaying the gathered intelligence back to the Ben Hasreth. Being Kunari, of course, Iron Bull couldn't really be picky about who he would hire. And so he just really kind of accepted anyone who had his back and earned their keep, no matter their race or age or origin or anything like that. So because of this, because of all of these things that we've already been talking about, they probably are the most famous mercenary company in Thetis, which mercenary companies are not really famous at all. So it's not really saying much to be the most famous mercenary company um, in Thetis, but, you know, it's pretty significant when, you know, you've got a mercenary company in Orlais that's led by Kunari, has a Tevinter second in command, uh, um, a Dalish elf, a dwarf, and it's just this very diverse company. I feel like they would stand out and make headlines. They definitely reek of a D&D party. Oh, 100%. I want to play that campaign. Who's DMing? <laughs> guess me, the forever DM. I guess so. <laughs> Okay, so the Chargers are also fiercely loyal to the Iron Bull, which we have the benefit of seeing in-game in Inquisition. And they do have fewer than 50 standing official members, which means they're pretty small. And so they specialize in, like, shock troops and skirmishes. Like, they're not, like... They're not your front lines battle kind of people. They're like specialized ops who go in to do a very specific thing. So I wanted to talk about a few notable jobs because some of these are pretty funny. So Krim, Iron Bull, and at least five other members alone defended a town from over 50 bandits. So seven people defended 50. That's pretty impressive. And the villagers paid them in rice, which I think is just a very hilarious little footnote. Mm. They also cleared some magical trees, stilbins, 
from land belonging to an Orlesian noble in the Dales, which I believe is a reference to the end of the Masked Empire. They also dressed up in feathers to scare a noble's rival whose death was foretold to come on feathered wings. That same noble later died by choking on a chicken bone. That's my personal favorite one. Are we sure Sarah's not a charger? You know what? I think she could be. Like, very easily could be. Um, They also cleared a bunch of nests of spiders from an estate in Navarra. The Chargers harassed an actual giant to get it to chase them out of its resting cave into the path of a noble who would use a purchased charm to then control the giant. The charm did not work, and the noble was classic. They were also sent to the Hissing Wastes with Dorian to help Marius and Tessa for for Scythia take down a camp of 50 Venatori. That's really impressive. They defended Montfort from a demon attack, prevented another civil war in Orlais by defeating a would-be usurper in single combat in Perindale. They're collapsing the better part of a mountain on demons and red Templars in Southreach. And they drive back demons from the shores of Lake Callanhad. They're very active, yeah. very active. They do a lot of stuff, which makes them very impressive. Right. They're kind of, I like to think of them as the Inquisition special forces, like the people yeah. they send in for really uh, sensitive or valuable strike moments that either aid or help the main army yeah and i think that that's accurate you see that in some of these um this list that i just told you so yeah Mm -hmm. so um some of the members that we know of who are named are as follows iron the iron bull is the founder and leader cremisius Aclassi, also known as crim is second in command Dalish is an elven apostate who insists that she is an archer. There's Grim, Rocky, Skinner, and Stitches. And I think those are all of the named ones that we know of. I have a question. Are all the Chargers members of the Kune? No, I don't believe so. Okay, I was just curious, because that might be one of the reasons that Dalish insists that she's an archer, because the Kune is... If you think Orlay is harsh on its mages, you hadn't seen nothing. Yeah, I agree. But no, no, I don't think that they are all part of the Kuna at all. Um, they just have to be okay with being around it, I would imagine. Um, but but yeah. So I also, you know, there is the scene in Inquisition where you hang out where you can hang out with the Chargers and basically have a night of drinking. And they sing you their song. And I'm not going to sing it, but I am going to tell you the lyrics. <laughs> And this is their motto. No one can beat the Chargers because you'll because we'll hit you where it hurts. Unless you know a tavern with loose cards and looser skirts. For every bloody battlefield, we'll gladly raise a cup. No matter what tomorrow holds, our horns be pointing up. Um, you know what? This song sounds like something from the Last Kingdom that Fennin and Citric would make up. 100%. Uh, 100%. Which we just finished The Last Kingdom, and it's kind of on our minds right now. Yeah. Sorry totally. to our fans who don't watch it. <laughs> it's a good show. You should watch it. Yes. Yeah. So I love their motto. I just think it's very fun. So the Chargers can also be dispatched throughout Inquisition. This is something I didn't know until like my third or fourth time playing through the game. 
Like you can go to Krim or Iron Bull, I think, and ask, I think it's just Krim and ask him like, Hey, how can we use you? And he'll give you quests that you can then go and do at the war table. I had no idea. Had no idea. And then I found out about it and did like two of them and they stopped. And then I didn't realize that if you pick the wrong person, like Liliana, Josephine or Colin, they don't give you any more. So I found out that the hard way anyway. As Inquisition often is. Yeah, exactly. So you can send the chargers to Therenfall Redoubt or to Redcliffe Castle to investigate. You can send them to Persuade Orlesian Mercs to end the War of the Lions, which is the Orlesian Civil War. You can send them to find remains of the dead at Haven and a bunch of other just like miscellaneous side quests. So how do they join the Inquisition? Some of you may be wondering. Some of you are probably not wondering at all, but I'm going to tell you either way. Um, eventually, the Iron Bull is contacted by the Ben Hasrif to discuss an alliance with the Inquisition. Returning to the Storm Coast, they disrupt Venatory attempts to sink a Kunari dreadnought only for the Chargers to be overrun. The Iron Bull and then consequently the Inquisitor are left with the choice to order a retreat, which then dooms the Dreadnought and results in Bull being declared Tal Vashas or to have the Chargers hold their position long enough for the Dreadnought to clear, resulting in the death of the entire company, but cementing the alliance between the Kunari and the Inquisition by destroying the Venatori on the coast. This is like the most controversial, not controversial, uh, discussed thing about the Chargers. Like, do you save the Chargers or not? I will be very honest. I've never not saved the Chargers. So that's where I'm at. What about you, Austin? Um, I've never not saved the Chargers. I have not done the mission. Um, one of what my do first. You mean you've not done the mission. I didn't like talk to Bull enough through my first playthrough. And so I get to Trespasser and it's sad. I was very sad. So what happens if you just don't do the mission? It's, uh, I mean, it never comes up, but like the same result on if you uh, sacrifice the Chargers happens. So do the Chargers still live? Yeah, but you have to kill, you have to kill Bull. Right. He's still part of the canon. Interesting. Well, um, in the years after Inquisition, the if the Chargers still exist, they continue to hunt Venatori, and they continue to hunt demons. And they get a dragon skull for Bull's birthday. They do. I love that. It's so hilarious. Okay, let's move on to our next mercenary group, if you're ready. Uh, yeah. Okay, the next one is from your fave game, Dragon Age 2. This is the Flint Company Mercenary Group. They operate out of the free marches, and we encounter them, like I just said, in Dragon Age 2. We first meet them in the Exiled Prince DLC with Sebastian. The Flint Company is hired by the Harriman family to assassinate the Vale family. The Harrimans are looking to, you know, seize, like, political control of Starkhaven, away from Sebastian's family, as we know. The Flint Company is successful in their attempts to eradicate the Veils. They just can't kill Sebastian. He's the only one left, and he basically, like, swears uh, vindication on them. And they're not able to assassinate him because he's located in Kirkwall during the assassination. So Sebastian obviously seeks revenge, and then you, as Hawk, 
encounter the group as well. And as a result, the Flint Company is rendered completely defunct because uh, none of its members remain alive after Hogg's excursion. So they are goodbye. Right. Uh, the DA2 group is probably the group of companions that I want to cross the least. Why? You think because, they're the most dangerous? No, I think they're the ones most willing to just say, you know, screw it and kill you. That's probably true. <laughs> they're also the most chaotic, and that just, like, breeds a level of not caring for your for your own safety, you know? The motto of Hawk's group is emotional problems and no impulse control. That is very much accurate. <laughs> so yeah, it's not a surprising to me that the Flint Company uh, is no more. And you know, it's not like Hawk wouldn't have sat out to like be like, okay, I'm going to eradicate the Flint Company. It would have been like, oh, well, this happened now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So the next one is called Valo Kass, which as you might guess, is a Kunari group. Or more accurately, they are a Talbashoth mercenary company. And they are named after the Kunwat word for a great sword. They were also hired to act as peacekeepers during the Chantry Conclave and 941 Dragon, just leading up to Inquisition. If you choose the Kunari origin in Dragon Age Inquisition, you were one of the members of this mercenary group. The current leader of this group is the Chakratar. You might recognize this name as it is also the name of an armor in Inquisition. So essentially a squad of the Valokas is later attacked and captured while escorting a caravan by a group of fanatical humans who believed the Inquisitor was trying to convert Andrastians to the Cume. The Inquisitor can then send forces of the Inquisition to rescue the squad and defeat the fanatics, but not before some of its members were killed. So this is like, I've never seen this, but I can imagine that this is probably pretty controversial in universe. Um, and I would also imagine there's a lot of controversy and tension um, with the Kunari Inquisitor just because of their race and um, you know, all the historical background there. I think if you play a Kunari mage, you have like the lowest possible standing with the Winter Palace. Is it zero? No, because if it's zero, you're thrown out. Oh, is it one? It's like 10 or 15 or something like that. So you have like you... room for error. Right. You just got to be quick and move the good news is, is you don't need a hundred percent core approval to get the endings you want okay the last thing i have to say about the Valokas is that uh when Beric becomes the new viscount of kirkwall he hires the surviving members to support the kirkwall city guard much to Aveline's annoyance and so now the mercenaries are residing in Kirkwall, and that's where they remain, as far as we know. It's a bold move for Varric as Viscount. I know. It's really bold. I thought so, too. I was kind of surprised. Well, I mean, when Varric wants to send a message, he sends the message. That is also true. All right, you ready for our break? I am. So, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. I'm listening. Ah, oh, you've returned. A letter arrived for you. 
All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things that don't have to do with Dragon Age lore, just general housekeeping and other things about the show. And so I want to take this time to thank our patrons. And so I'm going to read our five patrons out as they get read out on every episode of the show. Our patrons are Genesis LSMX. Derek B, Fletcher M, and Zupa. Yay! Thank you all for being our patrons. We're so thankful. Yes, yes. And you too can join our patron or Patreon by following the link in the description. There are various tiers that you can uh, support, which come from range from getting ad-free episodes or coming on the show with us to talk about a topic of your choice, which we're going to start. Uh, that's for tier three patrons. We talked about that on the last episode. You can go listen to that episode for a little more details. Um, or if you need a refresher, just go in. It's the middle section. You can just leave, read there. Um, also, if you join our Discord, everything about it is there too. Another way to support our show is to leave us reviews. And so you can review on Spotify or Apple. You don't have to listen to our podcast on either of those platforms. You just need an account to go and rate us. And on Apple, if you rate us five stars and leave us some words, we will read your review on a future episode of the podcast. And so Shelby, I believe we do have a review to read today. We do. And this one is from Hasselhoff. I don't know if this is the actual Hasselhoff. That would be cool if it is. Um, but the title is Brother Genitivi Would Be Proud. Side note, that is the best compliment I've ever received while uh-huh. doing this podcast. Your inner historian <laughs> is just very happy. <laughs> yes. So Hasselhoff says this. Excellent show. I'm a longtime veteran of Dragon Age. Been playing since Dragon Age Origins came out. The hosts make Dragon Age lore easy to digest in an easy manner that new players and veterans can learn something from. And always remember the wise words of Flemeth. Such manners. Always in the last place you expect them. Like stockings. (laughs) I love that quote. That's hilarious. Thank you so much for your review. Yes, thank you so much. Um, and then also we are running our uh, show us your heroes, Hawks and Heralds. And I believe we do have one to share today. Yes, we do. So this one is from GOA Dead Flesh in our Discord server. So if you want to show us your heroes, Hawks or Heralds, you can hop in our Discord server and it's super easy to share there. So his Herald is named Jen Redman. And he is a human mage, was heading to the conclave and then doesn't really remember anything else. Um, Of course, remembers the person that helps lead them to safety during the explosion. Um, And then he saw an angel and her name is Cassandra, relatable. And he trusted her a lot throughout Inquisition. And she led him to side with the Templars and uh, Jen also, also acquired all of the squad mates, all of the uh, companions in Inquisition. And he is, quote, a nice guy until you put him and his team in danger. That, that is also very relatable. And in his free time, he likes to hang out with the Iron Bull and the Chargers. And they like to hang out in the tavern. 
and they like to drink and hang out with each other. And that's a little bit about Jen Redmond. Thank you so much for sharing your Herald with us. Yes, thank you. All right, well, let's get back to the Dragon Age. My friend. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. All right, so we have one, two, three more mercenary groups to talk about and then our side character. So these three are definitely a little bit more of what we would classify as minor. And the first one is the Blackstone Irregulars. If you are an Origins simp, you'll be familiar with this, um, like me. So the Blackstone Irregulars are an independent mercenary group. They operate out of Ferelden. And the Warden in Origins can become part of their group. They have three locations, Lothering, Denerim, and Redcliffe. And they very much function in Origins as a place to get extra quests that you can do for money or XP or whatever or what have you. And my Wardens always join the Blackstone Irregulars because I always need more money. So <laughs> the Irregulars appear to handle odd jobs that either just like can't go through official channels for legal reasons or the officials don't like find the worth to do um, or the effort to do by themselves or that they just think they're too good for. And they are also led by a father and son team. The father is Railnor Hawkwind and the son is Torin Hawkwind. And they're the two leaders of this guild and there is actually a lot of conflict between the two of them about the nature of the guild um, the dad wants the blackstone irregulars to um, value honor and respectability while the son he all he cares about is money so i'm not sure if the blackstone irregulars still exists or if they do not exist anymore, um, but that's a little bit about them. Do your wardens ever become part of the Blackstone Irregulars, Austin? No, because I have not played Origins, really. I mean, I, mean, I have. Not, I have know. played Origins. I've completed you've Origins. Never, you've never a completionist run through Origins. No. I can say that about Inquisition and DA2, but not about Origins. And I know, I know, I just, it's too slow paced for me. Maybe I'll go back and finish. I have a two-handed Templar build that I like on there. So we'll see. So what I'm hearing is that Bioware, attention Bioware, needs to remaster Origins. I mean, yeah. That's what I'm hearing. For those of you who care, my Elden Ring obsession is fading. So there you go. Shelby, you can be happy. You said, you said, you said not two weeks ago, you said, I'm going to be playing Elden Ring until Dragon Age 4 comes out. It hasn't even been a month and you're already like, it's fading. It's, it's fading. Well, I just have other endings I want to do. So once I do that, it's fine. Okay. Well, let's get back to the mercenary group. Yes. Next one. I know so this the one. Next one you know this one. Yeah. Is this the only one you've known outside of the, the uh, Chargers? 
No, I knew who the Flint Company was. Okay, okay. so the White Claws. Um, they are a raider group hired by Crassius Service to support the Venatori in the Western approach in Dragon Age Inquisition. So they're just like kind of jerks. Um, their basic duties were supposed to be investigating the Abyssal High Dragon stealing research notes from Frederick of Seralt without killing anyone, assisting the Red Templars in Lyria mining, assisting the Venatori's excavations throughout to the Western approach and not interfering with the Grey Wardens. However, as we know from playing the game, they do kill people and they do interfere with the Grey Wardens. So they're just kind of like pests in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't prove to be a worthy investment. Um, the Venatory kind of hate them because they don't follow orders. They break their rules all the time. They kill Frederick's team after being warned not to. And trying to lure the High Dragon, they just randomly spring traps all over the desert, which doesn't help anyone at all in anything. And it definitely doesn't lure the dragon in. Um, and of course the inquisitor has to come in and fix all their messes and hunt them down and fix the traps. And, uh, yeah, the traps really prove that they have no clue how to hunt a dragon, but, um, I digress a little bit. So I would say the white claws also no longer exist. I would imagine the inquisition pretty much hunts all of them down. All right. You ready for the last one? The Inquisition Party motto is emotional problems with a little more impulse control. Only because their advisors are there to literally pull you back in if you don't. (laughs) Okay, anyway, let's move on to the last one. This one's going to be really short. So the last one that I have are the Ruby Drakes. And this one is probably not familiar to most of you. Um, but this is a small mercenary company led by Amadis Vale during the Fourth Blight. Amadis is a relative of Sebastian Vale. And the Ruby Drakes helped fight the Darkspawn during the Fourth Blight. They also, um, at least their leader, had a griffin and was a griffin rider, even though she was not part of the Grey Wardens. Um, but they're pretty renowned. They helped a lot um, in the Fourth Blight, which is pretty impressive because they weren't Grey Wardens at all. Um, and we learn about them in the book Last Flight. So if you're interested in seeing a little bit more of their story, I definitely recommend you read that book. Any thoughts on these uh, different mercenary groups? I would like to see more mercenary groups like the Chargers that we don't automatically have as enemies. Um, Because that's kind of how most of them have been. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I would love for them to bring back the like chanter's board, quest giver kind of thing. That's more than just like, you know, random person standing. You know what I mean? Like, I like that function in the game. And I think that we might see a return to that. Um, I think the issue is, is they don't want things to feel too grindy. And those quests can definitely feel like grinding and not really progressing a story. And so. Yeah, but the whole point of those kinds of quests are that you don't have to do them. Right. I don't know. Anyway, any other thoughts before we go to our side character? Nope. Okay. I'm so excited for our side character today. This character is super beloved by the fandom by me 
also. Um, so our side character for today is Chrysias Aclassi, also known as Krim. Mm-hmm. Krim is awesome. I love him. So let's just get into the basic biographical history. If you have any questions, you can stop me along the way. Sound good? Yep. So Chrysias Aclassi, also known as Krim is a member of the Inquisition and is the second in command of the Iron Bulls Chargers mercenary group. Krim is also, in addition to Mavaris, is a trans character in Dragon Age. And Krim is actually the first transgender character in Dragon Age, technically, um, because Mavaris is not um, presented in the games yet. And uh, the comics that she's in came out after Inquisition. So Krim is the first. So Krim was born into a non-magic family into Venter. As we've discussed on former episodes, this means that they are not in a, not in a uh, good place in the like status and ranking into Venter. They would be classified most likely as poor um into Venter and they would be looked down on by the magisterium for sure so Krim's father was a tailor and um had like a tailoring business for their family when he was a child and also as a child Krim realized that he was different from other kids and he beloved his father that doesn't make him different from other kids but he would often pretend to shave with his dad so when Krim reached adulthood, his mother began to pressure him to get married, settle down, be a good to venture child. Um, and she really pressured him to get married to the son of a wealthy merchant. And Krim didn't want to do this, of course. Um, and his mother saw this as a way to rescue the family from slavery because they're very much on the verge of, of descending into slavery as a family. And Krim just, he couldn't do this. It wasn't authentic to who he was. It wasn't what he wanted to do. And he just could not live a life that was false. So instead he refuses and it destroys his relationship with his mother, of course, But um, the family didn't immediately fall into slavery, thankfully. But sometime later, they do because a magister who wants to do good in the world, he gets this idea that to save the poor, he could have his slaves make clothes for the poor and sell them for very, very cheap. This obviously put Krem's family's tailoring business out of business because who can compete with slave labor right so Krim's father then sold himself into slavery to save his family so it's at this point that Krim goes into the military partially to help his family and he sends money back home Uh, but Krim enters the military and lives um, as his authentic self as a man And he was able to do this by bribing the doctor who did the yearly physicals. And Krem served in the military for many years. Um, But his secret was revealed when a new doctor or healer came on board in the military. And that healer then reported him. Krem was ultimately faced with three options. 
slavery, execution, or go on the run. Krim chose to go on the run. He ran away, um, but was caught pretty quickly in a tavern just outside of Tevinter. He was then attacked for deserting the military, but the Iron Bull came to Krim's rescue. He was in this tavern. And so in this fight, this is how the Iron Bull lost his eye. He saved and rescued Krim in this instance. And afterward, the Iron Bull hired Krim and they created the Bull's Chargers. Good guy, Bull. I know. I love that story. It really illustrates, I think, both of their characters really well. Um, Because Krim is like such a nice person. He's very kind. But he's also a person that is like going to tell you the truth. Like he's just going to be honest and authentic. And then Iron Bull is also very kind. Also will tell you the truth, but will also kick your butt if you need to have your butt kicked. Right. Um, so I love that story. And I just think it's really wholesome. And it's also like, I think it's a really good example of found family. Um, that's something that's very important to a lot of the people who are LGBT. And this is a really good example of it. Um, I think a lot of times in video games and media and books, it's very easy to, for authors to dwell on the, oh, this queer character got kicked out by their family and now they have no one trope. Instead of focusing on, but here's the found family they have. Here's this new family that they've created. Um, and I think that Dragon Age does a good job of focusing on the found family um, mm-hmm. instead of the, the sadness. Um, so a few more little fun facts about Krim. Um, it was Krim who originally convinced the Iron Bull to reach out to the Inquisition, which I find interesting. Krim is also known to sew stuffed nugs with wings, which I just think is so cute. And then lastly, lastly, as we probably all know, when entering the Herald's Rest, a very common glitch results in Krim standing up in his chair instead of sitting on it, right? Well, in Trespasser, this is referenced. If Cole sets up Krim and Meriden instead of Cole and Meriden getting together. Krim tells Meriden that he would sometimes stand up in his chair to get a better look at her while she was singing her songs. Aww. Isn't that cute? That's so cute. Anyway, so that's a little bit about Krim, and I just love him. And honestly, I kind of, after doing this research, wish that he had been like a full companion. <laughs> I'm hoping that we get to see him more in DA4. Um, I don't know. I doubt it because mm. you can kill the Chargers, you know? Yeah. I really like the... I like Crim's inclusion. Obviously, there are, like, issues that I take with it, especially, like, in the Inquisitor's responses in discussing Crim's identity and who he is. But I do like his inclusion. I like the fact that, you know, in his conclusion also like humanizes the Kune in a little bit through Iron Bull because Iron Bull is very much like, I don't like 
the coon doesn't care about your personhood really which is its own problem mm-hmm. but bull doesn't care who you are where you're from what you know what race you are or anything if you can kick to vent her butt you can come be a you charger. Can be part of the chargers yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um and i think we were talking about this the other day in the discord server um about how Krim Krim did a lot at the time the inquisition came out like in terms of trans characters back then i mean there weren't that many and i say back then like it was 20 years ago but um you know it was almost 10 years ago but i think we've come a really far way since then I know as a society, it seems like we're always progressing, but I do hope that we get more development in DA4 um, with more trans characters. I hope we get Mavaris, and I, I really hope that they improve on that dialogue um, that they kind of fumbled in Inquisition. Um, that was, that's something that, um, that definitely needs to be improved upon. But another thing that I wanted to mention is I hope that they get trans people to voice act trans characters. That's something that's really important. And, and Krim is voiced by Jennifer Hale, who does an amazing job, who is amazing, who is the voice of FemShep in Mass Effect. And, and she's amazing. And she does an amazing job as Krim. Um, but I do hope that in the future going forward, we can have trans people voice trans characters because that's important. And I do think it is a high possibility of Bioware heading in that direction. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I don't have anything else to add, um, in this episode unless you do. Nope. Not any of that. I love Krim. Go Chargers. All right. We'll see you next time on the Dragon Age Lorecast. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.